Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hi guys, and welcome back to Uni Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat and I am the host. And before we get into anything, a quick reminder that this podcast cannot and does not serve as a replacement for therapy. However, with that, it might encourage you to go to therapy or it might encourage you to talk about something new in your therapeutic process. So today is a really fun day because I get to have a conversation with one of my friends and I'm pumped to bring you this conversation. It is with somebody who I now, I just realized this when we were talking, but I've known him for 10 years. His name is Luke and we met in grad school in 2012 when we went to Vanderbilt's human development counseling program. And our careers have been led in different directions, but uh, you get to hear us talk about um, our experience in the program and all that it gave us and the things we wish we would have known as pre-therapists getting into the field. Luke was, back in the day, he was a program director for a summer camp, and he did that for 13 years and then eventually moved on to be a primary therapist and the head of adolescent therapy for an IOP, which is an intensive outpatient therapy program in Nashville called Integrative Life Center. Now, however, he is the president of a company called Dream4. This company is a personal well-being and leadership development company. And what they do is help their partners intentionally move their company forward to organizational health by inspiring healthy people, developing healthy leaders, and building healthy teams. He is married to his wife, Ivy, and uh, they have two kids, Annie, who was born in 2017, and then Alice, who was born in 2019, and they live in Birmingham, Alabama, so we did this over Zoom. But Luke is an amazing person. I'm so grateful for the conversation we had, and he was somebody that I was so excited to talk to because I was like, this could literally go anywhere. And I like where it went. I liked the things we talked about, and hopefully you guys out there will get something from it as well because I know I did. And then I just wanted to say, we talked about at the end of our conversation, how people can get in touch with Luke if they hear about Dream 4 and what they do. And if you want to be a part of it or want them to help you or your company or the leaders in your life, um, we talked about the website. However, it's actually undergoing rebranding. So it doesn't actually give a clear picture of Dream 4. So he said he would rather you guys reach out to him, Luke's email. I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's L-U-K-E dot D-U-R-H-A-M at Dream, D-R-E-A-M for the number four, impact, I-M-P-A-C-T dot com. Of course, I'm going to put that in the show notes because I'd assuming you guys are in your car maybe and don't have a pen and a piece of paper to write that down. 
So thank you, Luke, for doing this with me. And thank you guys for, you know, coming and listening to this podcast, whether it's your first time or you've listened to every single episode. I am grateful for you. I hope you guys get what you need to get out of this conversation and have the day you need to have. Here is my conversation with my friend, Luke. Welcome, guys. I'm sitting here with, honestly, these are, I was just texting somebody. These are the interviews that I really enjoy. I mean, I enjoy all of them. I shouldn't (laughs) say that. But these are the interviews that I really enjoy because I'm sitting with an old, I can call you an old friend, not in like your age, but like an old friend. And we've known each other for. Yeah, 10 years. That's crazy. We started our program in 2012. That's so weird. Okay. So this is my friend, Luke, and he was in my graduate school program in 2012 years ago a decade our program was three years so i remember being like i'm never going to graduate and it was 10 years, years ago, ago right when you when we started that in 2012 the path it seemed like such a huge mountain to not only get through school but yeah. then to do anything with it afterward you're like no this is never yeah. Yeah, never. I'll never know. Yes. Which is so funny because I have a couple clients that are in counseling programs and I've worked with people that actually have been in our program. And it's just so weird. It is so strange. I'm like, wait, I remember being you and looking at people that had graduated from here and being like, I want to be like that. So anyway, I asked Luke to come on the podcast because he has a couple unique experiences in the world of going back to school and in the world of going back to school in a mental health capacity. So he was a guy, identifies as a man in our program. And our program had, I want to say like around 30 people in it. And half of those were school counselors. Half of them were mental health counselors. So we were like 15 people that were most closely tied together. And in that 15 people, there are two men. That was it. In our cohort, two men. Mm -hmm. And... On top of that, I don't know the like ratio of this, but I would say the majority of people in our program were people who entered straight out of undergrad or maybe two or three years. Yeah, pretty pretty quick afterward. I think I was the second oldest in the program or in our cohort. I had graduated from undergrad in 05. So I waited, you know, seven years after graduation. I was married. Uh, I had a career at that point that I continued throughout graduate school. Oh, yeah. And so I was I was in very much a different stage of life than the vast majority yeah. of, of our cohort. Yeah, I forgot you literally worked your job the whole yep. time that you were in school. And I was very blessed in the fact that, I mean, I had jobs, but they weren't full-time right. jobs. So on top of going back to school full-time, then you have to have an internship. Like, I don't know how you did that. So I want to talk to Luke about that and just what that was like. And then also you went into school with the intention never to be a therapist is what I understand. I didn't know a hundred percent, right? I don't okay. think I had the path clearly set out in front of me. Um, you know, my undergraduate degrees were in, in psychology and communication, but I didn't know 100% what I wanted to do when I finished. I knew that it would be a possibility to go be a full-time kind of psychotherapist, mental health clinician, but I didn't think that that was the direction I was going to go. And it turns out that while I did some of that part-time after graduation, mm-hmm. that that's not the route that I chose. So it was yeah. not sure in the beginning, but it ended up being yeah. the right decision to do so. So let's talk about first, like what it was like for you to go back to school later, because I was telling you before we started recording, I hear all the time from clients a lot, but just in life, like so many fears around going back to school for something, especially one of the reasonings around the fear, which I understand is what if I don't like it? Like, what if I want to think I want to be a therapist and then I go to this program and I invest my time in it and then I realize I don't like doing therapy. And that's just one example of one route you could take. And and what I want people to know is that with those 15 people in our cohort, I really think probably maybe four or five of us mm-hmm. are active in what we set out with our eyes set on to do when we went into that Absolutely. program. I think the rest of people of the people have some kind of career, yeah. Yeah. but it's not necessarily in this like very straightforward, I'm a therapist role. 
I want you to talk about what it was like to go back to school and what made you make the decision and what gave you like permission to do yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it was it was a joint decision, right? At that point, I was I was married. Ivy and I got married in 2010. And so we were, you know, thinking about what our life started to look like, what I wanted to do as, as a career. And, you know, I think for the people that are thinking about that later in life is that they look at something like a counseling program, uh, you know, a secondary degree, and they think there's just only one really specific thing that can come from that. What I would encourage people that are looking at a counseling program is, one, ask yourself, is is this what you want? I don't think we ask ourselves that enough of truly, like, what do I want? What do I want to be able to accomplish? What do I want to be able to do? And not just specifically, do you want to be a psychotherapist? Do you want to be a mental health clinician? What drove me back was the desire to learn about human development, the desire to learn about how people think. I think it came from a place of, I believe that the best thing that we can do with our time on earth is to make a positive impact on other people. And the way that we can do that most effectively, right, is to understand how people operate, why we make the decisions we make, what drives us. And then more importantly, how do we start changing those patterns of thinking, right? The, the lies that we've learned from early ages, right? Our attachment style and all of those things. How do we start to rewire? Because we can do that. And most of us- We're think stuck we in our ways. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you can't relearn, you can't change. But the truth of the matter is like, we were literally designed to change all the time. And that's beautiful, but a lot of people don't, don't believe it. And so that's what that pulled me back in was really to start to understand more about how human beings thought and how do we change patterns of behavior. And the coolest part was, is that I learned that about me, that three years, in a lot of ways kind of broke me down. It broke down a lot of the the lens in which I viewed the world and and it helped put me back together in a, in a, a, a stronger way. And so on just a personal level, man, it was it was so valuable. So two things came up as you're talking. One, I get this over and over, over and over and over again. When people hear that I do what I do, there's this like immediate fear. And then it's like, well, are you analyzing right. me? Are you analyzing me? To the point where like I took off when I was on dating sites. I took off what I did because I was like, I think that this either people are like, ooh, I get two sides of it. Ooh, she's a therapist. Like she can help me. I'm going to go on this first date and trauma dump everything. (laughs) Or it's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that because she's going to judge me. And I get that all the time. Like, oh, are you analyzing me? Are you going to judge me? All of this. And I love what you said because I went back to school to be a, well, I don't, uh, I was a hot mess. I didn't exactly know what I was doing, but. You were figuring it out. I was figuring out, but I wanted to understand people. And I think that's the difference between people think that we want, we want to like diagnose and pathologize people when it's like, no, it's, we want to understand. And then we want to like offer hope. Like, that's what I just heard you say. And I, I want to encourage other people that might have that immediate fear when they hear that somebody is in a helping profession like that. It's like, if you're good at what you do, we're not looking for you to be bad or wrong. We're looking for ways that we can better understand the things that might not have made sense otherwise. Absolutely. I think, you know, I'll look at whether you're a practicing psychotherapist or not, I'll look at anybody in the helping profession role, right, as a perspective giver. I really do. Mm -hmm. It is a place where you can sit down and talk with somebody and hear from a third party, non-judgmental, you know, unconditional, positive regard place of, Let's think through what you're going through. Let's normalize some of this stuff. And then let's, let's, let's see what we can do to move forward. Because I get the same thing is that if I tell people that, you know, I'm uh, you know, a therapist or in the helping world, right? It's, it's one of two reactions. It's terror of you are analyzing me and I'm running away from you and not going to say anything, uh, which yeah. probably means you actually need to talk to a therapist. or it is i'm going to tell you everything everything Everything. like sweet this is free therapy right now um Mm -hmm. and you know i don't like either of those reactions and i imagine from a dating perspective like that's not a great place to start uh, on either one of them but I, i really do look at what i learned in the process that i went through through graduate school through working as a therapist and then transitioning 
into more of just a helping profession world inside of corporate America is, is perspective giving. It really is, is helping people understand how they're thinking to know that it's okay, that they can learn to make better decisions and making one better decision after another, build some better habits. And that leads to being more accountable and, and truly like a, a more positive, productive life where you feel authentic in it, right? You feel comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, I love the title of your podcast, right? Because we all do. We all do. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether you go to an actual therapist, we all need therapy. We all need a place in our life that can be therapeutic. Be careful where you look for it from. I do recommend an actual therapist, please, everyone listening. But we all need a space in our world that can be therapeutic. The other thing that I heard that I really love in that is how much you were looking to gain and learn about yourself. Like I was like transformed through not like the courses that we took, but the experience of understanding humans at a different level and like the amount of like relationship building that's involved and what you see like my world was opened up like I remember going to my first internship and being like what is this and I was just opened up to like this whole other world where offered me so much grace and understanding and I left that a different person. So I think even like going to a program like that offers space for you to be transformed just as much as it offers a space to help other people transform. Yeah. And I think the going back, right, is to your original question, it's not about going into this program to just be a psychotherapist or a mental health physician. It is a process of self-exploration that you almost don't realize is happening at the moment. But you have to right. do it. But you, you, have like, to you have no other choice. It, you know, and, and you get hit with different experiences along the way that kind of just blow your, your world open. Um, you know, you talked about walking into your first internship and like having your kind of mind blown is that like I walked into the Integrative Life Center in, in Nashville, which is an unbelievable place. But for me, it was so different from what I had experienced, right? Like a true holistic approach to human development, mental health, all of those places. You know, we were doing yoga and meditation and breathing and all of these different cool experiential work, you know, and I'm like, what is this? But the coolest part about that was, and this is, you know, kind of speaking to to what my perspective is like of being a male in this helping profession world is I had an unbelievable supervisor and mentor. Steven was just fantastic and just a, a loving guy. We've since lost Steven. He's passed, but just such an amazing person who taught me what it was like to be a male in this world um, and how to make connections. You know, he worked with the, the men's group in there, but how to, how to just connect with anyone. It was such a powerful experience. And like, like you referenced and said, it just, it completely changed me. And that those three years and truly probably for a couple of years after was this process of self-exploration, understanding how I thought about myself, how I thought about the world, how I thought about people that, that really, really, I mean, it changed my life. It did. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You know what I'm thinking now as you said that is people will ask like, what's the difference between a good therapist and a bad therapist? Like what, what do good therapists have that bad therapists don't? And like, I don't have a great answer for that. But one thing that I don't think you can get away from if you want to do, if you want to be a good helper is acknowledging all of your own stuff, which is one of the hardest things in the whole world. And when you mentioned Steven, it made me think about my first supervisor, Janet, who I went to dinner with last week. I still luckily get to see her when our schedules align. But she was going through like personal stuff when I met her. Everybody looked at her and they were like, oh, you get to have Janet. She's amazing. She's incredible. She's such a good therapist. And she was. The psychodramas and the stuff that I saw her do, I was like, you are like a therapist witch. Like, I don't know what you do. Like, I don't know how you do this. Like, it's magical. But then when it was like me and her in her office, she would cry. Like she would talk to me about her bad days. She would talk about the struggles it is to be a therapist and have your own stuff going on. Like she invited in like this human part that I was like, oh, like, so to be a therapist, I also have to acknowledge my stuff. And also in that it's okay to acknowledge my own stuff. Because I went in, yeah, yeah, I, I went into, and I think that's kind of how I was raised maybe in the world I was in, but like, I went into school and to my internship as I don't have any issues. And so therefore I can help people yep. like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like the, the reason I don't think we have to have this. No. Right? And first, yeah, first of all, I was, del- I was just asleep to all of my stuff, but like also people cannot relate and connect to any kind of perfection and humanness because it's not real. Yeah. So, I think that that was one of the defining factors of me being able to actually show up and help people is that like I allowed myself to be super, super messy and I still do. I still have to apologize for things. I still have to like go to therapy and work on my stuff. Well, I mean, I think it's one thing that stands out is that apparently Janet and Steven were awesome and we got really fortunate, right? We always called Steven the wizard. Um, He was just, he was just magical with people. Um, It was, it was amazing. And then two, you know, in the beginning of this, this journey that we had at Vanderbilt, like we got hit over the head constantly with the, the term self-care, I mean, routinely. And I don't think anybody did a good job defining what that was for us at all. And uh, we have a terrible just understanding in, in society of what self-care actually is. But I think that you're right. The exploration of what makes a good therapist versus a bad therapist truly is is that person working acknowledging embracing and working on their own things are yeah. they yeah. willing to to dive into their stuff and to to normalize that we've got our crap too and to to own it and to work on it constantly consistent right i think that is a huge differentiator if you're if you're out there and you're about to go sit down with a therapist for the first time and you don't feel like that person is a is a person dealing with their own stuff too you're expecting them to fix you. One, check your mindset. Two, if that person that you're sitting down across from appears to have it all together, it might not be the right person. So, okay. Can you speak a little bit to like what it was like for you to be, because I never really thought about it, like to be one of the only men in a classroom sometimes, or it sounds like you had some male presence in your internship, but like, and I know we had some like male professors and instructors and that was probably helpful but like what was that like to be in a room full of women talking about I don't know if we did this much but like talking about like roles in life and it was almost more interesting that that I was older and that I was in such a different stage oh. of life it really was it, I think it had less of an effect on me as the male female dynamic as it did kind of just the stage of life and that I was you know, 27, 28 or whatever I was when I, when we started. Which is so young, by the way. Like Um, I was, I know, but I think about this when I was 22 and I saw you as this like 
older adult but, and i'm like you weren't that much older no, than me by, by, by a number age and certainly by like luke's mental health at that point in time no i was you know i was just in the middle of figuring out who i was and what i wanted and who i wanted to be and kind of my own journey toward authenticity at that point in time too like you i, I think i might have been still been asleep to some things Actually, I know I was. It was interesting, maybe the way that I got treated both as a male and as an older male. I think I got looked at like, like you said, maybe this guy has it all figured out or he's that much older. He's in such a different place that he's got it all figured out type of thing. People would come to me kind of naturally. You were like a natural right? leader. And, and for whether it was for advice or for comfort or yeah. just maybe a little bit of perspective. And so it was, it was a role that I was, I was comfortable with. You know, the job that I had at that point in time was an awesome job. I worked at, I worked at, a, I ran a summer camp in Minton, Alabama. And part of what I did was interview, hire, build a staff of, of guys that would come and be summer camp staff. And I led them, right? I brought together the team and, and that was my, that was my job and my role. And so it somewhat felt natural, but there also was this extra weight um, that I don't know that I carried well, um, or didn't even know that I carried maybe that I think the people that, that in the program kind of looked at times to me for an answer or for guidance. And maybe I felt some of the pressure, like when a, when a professor would ask a question to feel like I had to provide a different perspective, not necessarily to be the first one to answer, but you would hear a lot of similar perspectives, right? And then it was almost like every eye in the room would kind of and head in the room would turn toward Luke and be like, and now for the dude perspective, right? <laughs> and the different perspective. And so there was a, probably a certain degree of, of pressure with that. Yeah. I kind of felt like I was speaking for males. And the other guy in our program was about as quiet as you could get. And so he wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I don't think we spoke more than five words to each other in yeah, three years. Um, and Robert, he yeah. was awesome. Uh, yeah, he was a really nice and, guy. You know, he wasn't going to say anything. And we no. kind of formed an interesting bond. But I think there was some weight to it. And probably one that I wasn't prepared for or even anticipating, right? Because we, we don't really see the lens in which we view the world until it gets cracked. Yeah. Until we have an experience that puts us outside of our comfort zones or our norms. And so there was no way that I could have been prepared or ready for that. You just experience it and then you navigate through it. And I probably didn't do yeah. it well, or maybe as well as I hoped. Well, I think you did the best you could. I think that was, I really love hearing you say you don't see the lens, you see the world until it's cracked. It's like, yeah, in, in hindsight, I would go back and do something differently. But how was I, I can't know something until I know it. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's no regret toward that. I think it is just, you know, you look back and, and think about how much you and I just personally have grown. And since we've met each other in 10 years, I mean, of course, you'd want to go back to 2012 version of each one of us and shake that person and wake them up a little bit. But I, I do think that I don't know which side played more of a role in kind of what I experienced, the yeah. age or the or the, or the gender, uh, you know, but it was interesting either which way. If you could go back and say something to Luke in the middle of the program, not the beginning, not the end, but like in the middle of it, like what, what would you want to like say when you said you wanted to shake that version of you? Is there something you would want to like say? A lot. <laughs> uh, it, it's almost, it's hard to distill kind of how much I've grown in the last, you know, really almost in the last three years I see is kind of like the the true version of me or the version that I enjoy the most of myself has come out. But I think in the middle of the program from just like a, a personal standpoint, what I would say, like, you don't know, be open to learning more, take in oh, all that's of so these good. perspectives and be okay with not having an answer. I think so many people, right. That, that go into those type of programs or are exploring the mental health profession think that they're supposed to have answers or to be able to fix something. That's impossible. Get rid of that expectation to yourself. That is a burden that none of us should ever try to carry. It's impossible. It doesn't work. Um, and so I think at that point in time, I, I would tell myself, be open to learning. You don't know everything. And then two, um, and this is something that I think I tried to, to impart to, to the younger people in the program was the grades don't matter. 
Oh my gosh. Nobody is ever going to come into your office and sit down and want to talk about their crap and, and go, wait, before I tell you about, you know, my, my suicidal thoughts, what was your GPA real quick? Um, and specifically in this one course, right? What did you get in your statistics class or your ass- assessment in statistics? I think I got like the grade I needed to get to pass yeah, like, it. None of that stuff matters. Like yeah. do the personal work of self-exploration and do the work to, to learn how to connect with other people. Because truly to me, that, that, is, that is the basis for being a good helping professional is how willing are you to step into somebody else's shoes and in their experience and to have unconditional positive regard for it, like to just to own that and to, to walk alongside them. It's helping people is not about pushing or pulling them in any direction, right? It's about walking alongside that is a true process that you have to go through to learn. And I also tell this to people too, is that it requires training in practice. You can't just do that. Yes. Knowledge is not enough to do the work that we're all doing. If it was, uh, we could all just read a book. And if it was, then like we wouldn't have to have the internships and we wouldn't have to... I I think that's so important. So important. I was trying to answer that question myself. And at first I was thinking before you spoke, I would say, I think I would tell myself to pay attention. But I think I would tell myself that because of what you said of like, be open to learning. I think in my head, it was like, I know enough. I know what I know. I think what I yeah. think. But the other thing I wonder, I wish I could go back and talk to myself too, is like, did I think I knew enough or was I afraid of what I didn't know? 100%. That's, that that feels like me, yeah. Yeah, because I think that uh, I was always like one of the, when my family, my role was like the smart one. And so I clung to that. And in some of those classes, I was so lost. And so it was like two parts to that. Afraid of what I didn't know because like maybe I didn't understand what was happening, but also like what am I going to find if I hear what's being taught? Yeah. Like what am I going to find in myself? There's two things. Yeah, I think that was part of it. And so if I could say something, I think it would be like, like, it's okay, one, to not know things. Mm-hmm. Because so often I'm sitting with a client and I don't know what to Correct. say. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, okay. okay. And I don't know what they uh-huh. need. And sometimes I say that, like, I don't really know what you need right yeah. now. So we got to figure that out. Yeah, the, so it's not about knowing. No, the best therapist that I ever had, that I still see on occasion, is he, he said to me, we're going to go on a fishing expedition and we're going to walk around and we're going to drop lines. I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions about your life, your family history, your background. And we may come up completely empty and we all may, we also may find something as a therapist, as a helping professional, like you don't know the answer or the path for that person because it's their path. It is something that you put your arm around somebody and that you walk along with them. And then you go on this expedition and you find it. Um, it may take a really long time to find it, or you may find it really quickly, but it is about that. And I think that, I think, I think you're right. I think if we were to go back there into that space is those roles that we, that we embodied from a young age, right? You talked about your role was the smart one. My role was the golden child to always be perfect, right? That's not surprising. <laughs> I was the, I'm the baby of, of five, you know, uh, of five brothers and sisters, five siblings. And so for me, it was always about protecting my image to other people. I had to appear like I had it all together. I had to appear like I knew everything or that I was successful or whatever else. And oh my gosh, what a burden, right? And I don't think I, I picked up on that until I was probably in my mid thirties um, when I went on this fishing expedition <laughs> and, and, and started to learn that. And that, I think that's part of, you go back to, you know, being an older person, being a male in that program is that I took on that responsibility, right? I took on that weight of how do I appear to my cohorts, to my classmates, to my professors, to the people around me. And holy moly, that's, that's not healthy, right? That is, incongruent living and incongruent living is exhausting. So we're going to transition because I want you to talk a little bit about your path to 
what you're doing now because a couple of years ago, I don't know if I got a phone call or a text from you. If it was a phone call, I probably didn't no, answer probably it. probably not. <laughs> and if it was a text, it was probably an answer like three days late. But hey. <laughs> Wait, I have to look right now how many missed calls I have on yeah. my phone. It might, make, it might make you feel better, but uh, <laughs> hold on. Let's see here. What do I have? I have... So for anybody listening to this, let me I... just set up how, the, how this Zoom call started. Is that, is that Katie's like, okay, hey, at 10. So Luke is like here with the notes at 9.55, right? And then fully expecting a text at 10 from Catherine to say, hey, I'm going to be late, which is exactly how. <laughs> but I was only three minutes late. Uh, no, um, was- still, I was late. And I said that, and then I said, I bet you're early. Yeah. And then he was like, yes, I am. So I have right now 24 missed texts, which isn't that. That's not that many. I have 2,712 unopened emails. Like My heart's racing when you say that. Because do you want to know what? You're, you're probably at zero. I, I cannot live in a world with that little red circle. I have 25 missed calls, 22 voicemails. So <laughs> the moral of that story is do not call me. I will not answer the phone. <laughs> You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee visit rightrug.com that's r-i-t-e-r-u-g.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you 24-month financing is available with approved credit for 90 years we've been right here right now Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Anyway, yeah. so I got a, some kind of communication from you a couple years ago and you you had said like, hey, I'm doing this new thing. And we I ended up coming down and, and talking to some of the people you're working with. Mm-hmm. But I was like, wait a second. I thought you were working at a camp. <laughs> and wow. so I want you to talk about like, we kind of talked about you, like why and like being open-minded, but what moved you into the space where you're working now? And t- maybe talk a little bit about like what it is that you even do because your job's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, and so four, four and a half years ago, as I was looking from a transition from the awesome camp that I was getting an opportunity to run, I started uh, interviewing around and and came across an organization that had just started off called Dream Four. Still with Dream Four now, recently transitioned into the the. I guess the president role, whatever the leader of the company. Wait, when did that happen? Uh, in the last uh, two months or so. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you. It's been awesome and terrifying and all of the things that come along with, you know, new role and that extra layer of responsibility. But yeah, it's been it's been really cool. What attracted me to this when I sat down and, and met with the folks at Dream Ford first was this idea that inside of corporate culture, inside of corporate America specifically, is that there is this expectation from corporations, from leaders inside of corporations that we, when we come into work, we're supposed to check our personal stuff at the door, right? That, hey, leave that personal baggage outside and come in and get in here and just do the work. And the the reality is like, we can't do that. It's literally impossible. We cannot be compartmentalized like that, right? When I have a fight with my wife, like that's going to transition to when I walk into the office. And just the opposite, right? Is that if I have a hard day at the office, I can go home and be a little bit shorter with my kids. And all of those things suck, 
but that's the nature of being human. Um, and it happens. And so Dream 4 kind of was founded with the idea of if we have good things going on in our personal lives, we typically have good things going on in our professional lives. So how can we as Dream 4 bring that into the corporate workspace? is giving people a space to work on their personal well-being while at work. And so what we have transitioned to over the last four years of, as we have built this organization is that Dreamforce is a personal well-being and leadership development company. We want to help companies move forward. Move your organization forward is our, is our fun little tagline. But it's about building organizational health. Um, and organizational wellness. And you do that in a couple ways, right? Is that one is that you support from the bottom up inside of organizations, is that you provide a space for people to think out loud, to answer the question that I, that I referenced earlier is, what do you want? Because guess what? We don't ask ourselves that a lot because what we do is we get up and we do the checklist thing. We take care of the to-do list that's, that's on, on our plate, right? I get up, I wake my girls up. I get them ready to go to, to school, to daycare. My wife and I get in our cars. We go work for, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. We come home. We try to be functional humans and parents and spouses to one another. We get the kids asleep. Hopefully they're fed and not like, you know, whatever else, a mess. Mm-hmm. And then we do it again. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to be able to make a space inside of workplaces for people to develop some good habits, to, to develop self-awareness, to develop some self-accountability and responsibility. And so part of what we do is, is helping people just explore that mental health side of things. We're not therapists, but we're therapeutic uh, from that side. And then also, you can't influence a, a workplace or an organization or a company without working on the leaders, right? And training the leaders how to influence their people, how to be selfless, to be servants, to be sacrificial, to earn stature uh, amongst their organization. And so really what we do is we partner with organizations to to get better at taking care of their people. That's a pretty cool thing, I think. You know, I look back and there was almost this regret, Catherine, when I left the, the HDC program and I started pursuing life is that I just spent all this money and I'm not going to be a therapist. And like my wife and I had conversations about this. She was like, Hey dude, like (laughs) we just dropped some serious cash on this. Like, are you not going to take advantage of it? And I looked up the other day and we were talking about this. I'm like, I have taken advantage of every single cent and more of what that program offered because I've gotten the opportunity to build something that is frankly, it's unique in today's world. And that, we get the opportunity to sit down with, you know, big organizations and to get them to think about what it is like to invest in their people, not just as employees, but as people. I like that you took this degree and you're doing something like this because, yeah, you're not sitting around with people processing their trauma. I don't think you're doing that, although you could, but that's also not all we need to focus on. Like, I just think about the people that I've never worked in a corporate world. I've never, I mean, I went from my job at a treatment center and then straight into working for myself. So I've never had to experience an abundance or longevity of poor leadership. But I see over and over and over again, these people who are like, struggling yet they're like also like so wonderful and good at their jobs and a lot of it is because the majority of their time is spent at work Mm -hmm. and they don't feel supported at work but they also have to complete a task and then over and over i see these people leading these companies that i'm like oh my god it's starting there like it really is starting there and and if we could we could improve the health and the well-being and the understanding and help leaders understand humans then I think we would just have an overall better like culture of health in the world. Absolutely. Because you, you hit on the almost the main point of this, right? Is that work is where we spend the majority of our waking hours. And mm-hmm. we can feel like, you know, beholden to that or slaves to that or whatever the right terminology may be. But leaders don't know how to invest in their people. They don't know how to earn stature to have influence, right? 
that's that's the difference between being a boss um, and a manager and a leader is that you can exert some sort of influence. And guess what? Influence doesn't start until you know yourself really well, until you're authentic, until you're you're passionate. Because you know what? Two things people don't follow is inauthenticity or somebody that doesn't have any passion. And so mm. leaders are not trained, right? They are promoted because they did one thing well. And then they come into that role as a leader telling everybody else, do it the way that I did it, do it the way that I did it. And they don't know how to connect or invest in the people that are below them in the, the corporate hierarchy, really, but how they should look at it is the people that support them. And, and so what, what's cool about what we do, right, is that there's so many people that have ventured into the world of how to train leaders, right? I mean, you've got awesome people like Simon Sinek and John Maxwell and all of these organizations and they do, they do great things. They do awesome things. But it's a just do this and it'll work, right? Here's the box that you fit in, the program that you sign up for. And it's not a one-size-fits-all because all an organization is is a, you know, a composite of a bunch of individuals who are different. And so what we want to do is help people you know, partner with them to, to what fits for their specific organization, the people that are the individuals that are inside of that. It's a really interesting concept and it's slowly being proven to me that it works. I'm just like sitting here and like, how cool. And I don't know what the structure of what you're, what you guys do completely is, but like how cool just like to know that the company that I'm working for cares about me enough to bring on this team it has nothing to do with like like i'm even i I don't know if you take well i know you do because that one time that i came and spoke Mm -hmm. at that company they took working hours to come in and listen i think i was there for like an hour and a half two hours to come listen and talk about like body image and being a a woman like my company is letting me take working hours that could be productive hours but they're saying this also is productive for you like i just can't imagine that even just knowing that my company's doing that regardless of what actions are taken and how would i experience the knowledge that my 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 leaders care about me i think can make shifts automatically absolutely but just by just by embracing that personal well-being plan that we have as a part of dream floor right when a company signs up for that immediately what that says is we care about our people as people not about our people as employees or producers or whatever job in particular it is and so there's all of a sudden, just in that moment, a shift. Uh, they really care about me. And guess what? That 90% of people that go into a corporate or even just any job, but probably a corporate environment, believe, like truly believe, is that this organization doesn't care about me. No, I heard that yesterday from somebody is like, nobody cares. I'm just a number. I'm like just a producer. I'm just a number. Yeah. I'm another cog in this wheel. And... You know, like I said, our program or our company really has has a couple different ways of doing this, right? It's that personal well-being where I do sit down one-on-one with people. Again, it's not therapy. Like if they if they present with depression, anxiety, other other things that are more significant, is that our role is to become a resource and and connect them to the right right people and places and things that can help them in that journey. But I sit down with people and we process life and. And really what we try to do is help people get good about answering the question, what do I want and setting little goals and then holding them accountable, walking alongside them to get after that goal and to start to develop some personal momentum. And then when they do that, right, it bleeds over into work and it bleeds over into their their personal life or their leadership life. Man, it starts to make a difference. I like that you started with that question when I asked you earlier, like, what do I want? What, 45 minutes ago? (laughs) Because I am thinking about the fact that, like, if we're not asking that question, then we literally are, you know, how we were talking about, like, almost asleep during that time of my life. I think that in my early 20s into my even my mid 20s, I was asleep to my I missed out on so much because I wasn't asking myself, what do I want? I think I was going after and doing what I think was expected or what would make others think X, Y, Z about me. But I don't think I ever sat down and said, like, what is it that is important just to me? Yeah, Uh, we usually, right, at some point in our upbringing, in our adolescence, in the, you know, our early 20s, 
we're usually chasing somebody else's goals for us, somebody else's dreams for us, right? Is that if I can just go do this, I'll impress mom and dad. If I can just do this, I will look good to the outside world. And, you know, it became this fad, like, you know, to go find yourself or to go explore or to take a gap year or travel. You don't have to do that to, to find out who you are. You have to be real enough to wake up a little bit and go, what do I really want? What is in alignment with who I am, what my strengths are, what I'm naturally good at? And then how the hell do I go about pursuing it? The only way that you pursue it is with intention is that you acknowledge what you're good at, what you like, what you enjoy. And then you set a plan and you work that plan every single day consistently to show up and go after it. That's hard. Oh my gosh. Like I said, it took 30 some odd years for me to find that. And, you know, if you were to, if you were to sit down and interview Ivy, she would be like, I can tell you when it happened, you know, saw a difference in my husband when that, that change happened. And, of anything that I have done, that's the thing that I am most proud of for me, right? All of the other stuff is a byproduct of that self-exploration, asking myself the questions of what do I want, what's important to me, and then how do I pursue that that's in alignment with who I want to be? Um, and it changes, everybody. It changes, you know, you get married or you change jobs or you, you have kids or whatever happens. What you want changes, so this process is iterative, right? It, it goes over and over and over again. And so the name Dream 4 isn't chase your dreams. Um, it's not as, as fluffy or as cute as that. Like it, it literally stands for desire, right? What do you want? Resources, what, what do you need to achieve what you want? The E is effort. What are you going to do to make this happen? Where's your sweat equity? And, you know, what's most important, right, is the A, the attitude, what exists in between your ears that can either help you achieve that or will hinder you from doing that. And when you put all of those things together, right, we develop some, some essence of momentum in our world. And that process is iterative. It goes over and over and over again. I didn't know that about what it stood yeah. for. I like that because also as you're saying like the the attitude and the, what was the, what was the R? Say that again. Resources, right? Is that we think about what we want and then like think about our, our, our graduate yeah. program that the mountain looks so high and unclimbable. But really, if you break yeah. it down into what do I actually need to do this? Simple. Yeah. And I think when we look at the big mountain, if we have, I have, a, I know I do have a poor attitude, whether it's just like, not like angry attitude, but just like defeated if I don't look at the resources and, and sit and have the conversation. So I just think what you do is very cool. Thanks. And I feel like I've told you that before, but I think it's very cool. And I think you guys are what I understand expanding or did I make that up? Yeah, we're growing, um, which is, which is awesome. You know, it, when I joined four or four and a half years ago, I mean, it was very much we had grown out of a company that was very forward thinking about how to invest in their people. And so the, the idea of Dream4 kind of got born out of, of a, a corporate company. Um, and then about four and a half years ago, it was, hey, let's go see if we can make this its own thing. And so we were very much a startup company. And we, just like an individual, did a lot of self-exploration of who we are, what we do, how we're going to do it. And, you know, this process over the last four and a half years is we feel pretty solid about who we are, what we do, how we do it, how we can market it, how people can buy it. Um, and so we're growing. People listening, if they are like, oh, that sounds like something that like I would want to tell a friend about or maybe my company or maybe somebody's listening. They're like, I'm a leader and I want this. Where can they contact or find you to find out more information? Yeah, absolutely. So the the website, which is about to go under, uh, well, it's currently uh, going under a massive overhaul of, about who we are and what we do. But it's dream, the number four, and then impact.com. And to be honest, probably the best way is, you know, we'll, sh we'll share my contact information too in show notes or wherever else you do is, is to, to reach out to, to me and our team to explore how this could fit as an individual, right? I mean, executive coaching or, or as, you know, hey, I'd love this for my company or I'm a leader or my team could use some real leadership development work. However it is, uh, reach out and let's find a, a way to 
to be kind of a, a collaborative, customizable partner. It's it's out there. I meant to ask this earlier, and we're kind of out of time, but I just am curious from your perspective. Have you worked with companies that have gone to partially or just like all work from home? How have you seen that impact just humans in general? And I'm just curious your perspective because a lot of companies aren't going back and a lot of people I know are never going back to the office and that's definitely impacted their emotional and mental health. 100%. And, you know, so of all the partners that we serve and that we're with, I mean, all of them, as all of all of us have, right, is the last two, two and a half years have just been crazy, crazy time. And so a lot of the companies that we have have adopted, you know, a hybrid, two days in the office, a couple of days out, but so much one, just what's happening in the world right now, there is a whole lot more mental uh, and emotional stress. Whether we know that we're caring, we are, but it has affected how organizations work. And not just from a logistics standpoint of how many people are in the office, but what does that do to an organization's health, their culture? Yeah. How do you have culture when you're all work from right. home? And it's, it's hard. And I don't think people know how to approach that. And so that's a lot of what we've developed, right? We actually even have a have a workshop that we do that's it's called Remote Worker Wellness. And how do you connect with your people that aren't physically in your space? How do you check in on people? How do you love people that aren't there? How do you make them feel a part of something bigger, right? How do you make them feel a part of the organization? And so it's it's absolutely impacted the well-being of individuals. Um, and it's absolutely impacted the well-being of organizations. Uh, so many people talk about the idea of culture, right? And I think, at least inside of inside of workplaces, and people look at it too dichotomous, right? It's it's either you've got a toxic culture, or you've got a great culture. There's so much more to that, right? And that's why we use the term organizational health is that there are some places, just like in our individual lives, that we can be really, really healthy. Right. And there's some places that man, we may be needing some work on. And so that's where I think Dream kind of partners with organizations to say, where do we need to work? Where do you work? And a lot of that in the last two years has been exploring how do you take care of your people when we're scattered? How do they feel like they matter, that they're valued, that they're important as people when they're at home, that their kids you know, can't go to daycare because somebody, they have an exposure to COVID and they're at home trying to work and take care of their kids. Listen, firsthand experience here. It's really hard. But how do you do that? And how do you how do you love on your people that way? And so it's been a huge thing. And one of the ways that we we connect with people is so much of what I do is is virtual now. You know, quick conversations, whether it's, it's through the app that we use, um, whether it's through just FaceTime, text message, whatever, is we're getting used to connecting remotely with people. Uh, I don't know that leaders are, are embracing that the same way um, inside of organizations. And so they need training on it. Um, they need help with it. So with anything, that's something that m- most organizations do need help with because that is a new thing. Correct. So that is something that you guys can offer yeah. outside of all of the other stuff is like, hey, this is weird and this is new and nobody knows how to do it. And it's important to pay attention Correct. to it. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the questions that you talked about is how do companies and leaders work toward kind of a more supportive, healthy environment when it comes to emotional mental health? The first thing is, is awareness. Just know that it's real and that people are walking through their stuff. Just because you, you're aware of it and that you're leaning into it as a leader or as a, as a CEO or as a boss, when you lean into that, it doesn't take away the responsibility that that person has to do their job, but you can lean in to be empathetic and compassionate that we're all carrying a whole lot right now. And that like, just in general, life is hard. And so being aware that our the world human beings are dealing with a lot, a lot right now is, is step one. Yeah, which is kind of full circle with what we started with is like going back to school and learning that like this just helps us be aware of what's going on in the world. So it helps us be understand people and, and be more caring and forgiving and loving, which in turn just makes a better world yeah, right? in general. So of course, it's going to make a better work environment. So I, of course, think what you do is so important. So if you guys are listening, look at the show notes, I'll have the link to the website. And then I'll, if you don't mind, I'll put 
your contact info in there. Yeah. And they can talk to you and see if it's something that they might benefit from, which you probably would and could. Well, thank you for doing this. And uh, I will continue to ignore your phone calls and answer your text (laughs) message three days late. See, I know how much I mean to you now, Katie. Like, I I know the value of a relationship. We've both just become self-aware of where we put No, thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.